even without that aspect, I think a lot of times we just say it's behavioral, it's behavioral, it's behavioral. Like this is a training problem, training, training. And that's not always the case. Actually, in fact, a lot of the time it's not the case. There are very few cases that I run across where it's truly just a training issue. Hey everyone, welcome to the Willing Equine Podcast. I really hope you enjoy listening to my thoughts and (laughs) things I have to share with you. I'll be recording this podcast in my car while I'm driving, so the audio may not be super clear, and sometimes I have my kids with me, so I try and keep them quiet, but if you hear a little bit here and there, I apologize about that. But hopefully you can still enjoy the podcast, and let me know what you think, and feel free to send me voice messages through Anchor, or to send me messages messages through other forms of social media. So I had an experience the other day that I thought I would share with you guys um, because I thought it was a really great learning experience slash um, just relatable. I don't know. It was just a really good story to share because it's a very practical application of and it had a lot of little like inner stories and learning experiences within the greater larger one so um, but you have to bear with me because this is a story that took place over an entire day Um, so it's going to take a little bit to get through the whole story and I want to and I'll take little moments to kind of share with you that story that happened that the uh, learning experience that happened in the moment right then Um, and then the very end we'll talk about the entire learning experience and how we can take this and relate it to other aspects of our lives with our horses so um to set the the mood the the image um the whatever I'm not a great storyteller but it I was working it this is particularly centered around my mare tiger so tiger for those of you that don't know she's a beautiful um I think she's about 14 years old now buckskin and white paint mare, um, registered paint mare, and she's very quarter horse-like built, very stocky and everything, and I've, she's, um, the mare that made a huge shift in my way of working with horses. She was the one that really pushed me to try working with positive reinforcement. She, um, she changed everything, so she's, she's my game-changer horse. You have a few of those in your lifetime, the ones that, just change everything for you and she's I'd say she's my second one so I I had one that was a huge game changer for me um they all they all teach me so much and they're all make major impacts in your learning experience and how you interact with future horses and you um all of them and I appreciate all of them for that but there are just those few horses that just it's like they're the nail in the coffin kind of situation like all the other horses may have made impacts and or been leading up to this point but then you hit you find that horse that that's like the horse just forces you to make that change the horse forces you to look somewhere else to do something differently and so she is one of those horses for me um and uh so really the idea behind the willing equine and all that you can thank her for that um because that was the message that she drove home for me is that it's not enough just to have a horse that's obedient or a horse that wins ribbons or rides under saddle um that 
that I also want I also want the horse to be a willing participant in the training and in our relationship together so um, anyway maybe one day I'll do an entire podcast about her and that journey together I've talked some about it on Mosey Truitt's podcast in the spirit of horse I think it's episode 31 if I'm not mistaken but it's it has my name on it and, it, and I'm talking with Mosey and I um, it's called how to or something about improving your relationship with your horse practically right now without giving up everything else. So um, that's a great episode to listen to. It's very, it's pretty long. It's like an hour or something. But anyway, I'm off on a tangent. So in that podcast, I share a lot about Tiger and I's journey together. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. I encourage you. Um, so Tiger, I have been on this long journey with, and very more recently I have decided to completely... Ride, or to ride her completely tackless. I have not put a saddle on her in, I can't even remember how long. It, might, it may be as long as almost, um, I think the last time I put a saddle on her was probably spring, so like March, and it's now, um, it's now September, and that was for a photo shoot, and I haven't, and I, before that, I barely was putting it on her, and I don't have anything against saddles, it was just that it was kind of symbolic, um, the saddle, and then also, then after that, I stopped using any halters or bitless and reins, which I'm going to lay this out there and say that even when I ride with reins and a bitless and all that, I'm still training with positive reinforcement, and I have zero problems with equipment at all, especially if the horse is more comfortable in it, um, my mare pumpkin in particular does not like to be ridden bareback. She is very, very upset by the idea. I don't know if it's because it's my uh, bony butt on her back or if she doesn't like her hair ruffled. I don't know, but I use a uh, bareback pad on her or a saddle. She's actually pretty comfortable in a saddle. Um, and Tiger, I also want to put this out there that she has a fully customized saddle, like measured every inch of her. It's adjusted every six months kind of thing. So, um, and I've had multiple people look at her and so it's not the saddle that doesn't fit her. The saddle does fit her actually. And she does fine in it. I'm still going off on a bunny trail. Anyway, I do ride her in equipment and she does fine, but it was more symbolic of it. it Having a saddle, or not even so much a saddle, because you could ride bridleless and have a saddle, and that'd be fine. But it was really the the halter or the bitless and the reins that, as much as I was training him with positive reinforcement and all of that, it still enabled me to kind of default on some of my old habits of adding, you know, cueing again, or adding a little bit more pressure, or holding the pressure, or holding the cue, um, even though I was trying to use just positive reinforcement with it, it was, I was finding myself making mistakes and falling back on old habits, and I also think truly that pump, uh, Tiger had never fully let go of her previous associations with those equipment, so, um, so also to so it to fully ensure and and to kind of not test is not the right word but to put under scrutiny to really insist upon myself like I, this was more about me that I did not use the equipment in a way that I didn't want to use it and that I could not fall back on old habits um I removed, I decided with her in particular that I wanted to ride completely tackless. So I took everything off and we've just been riding tackless. And we have 
been doing this for a little while now. It's you know a couple months, um, and just at the walk, practicing our turns. Um, and I use a hand cue and a leg, and I'm transferring it to a leg cue. But I have to be cautious because the leg cue has some past history with it, and it gets confused a little bit sometimes with the acceleration cue, which is leg squeeze. Um, so I've been mostly relying on right now verbal cues, so whoa, walk on, trot, um, and then a hand gesture, so left hand out or right hand out for turning. And then eventually I'll add in the tactile cues. Um, so that's been going fantastic. It's been going beautifully. I have never felt more connected, quote unquote, connected with a horse. Um, I've never felt more at peace working with a horse and more excited about the results like at each little step I mean she just turns right one time and I'm just like my heart is so happy and I just love it and um, there's she's not stressed at all um, that was the other problem is, is when I would use equipment it was like we were having she would periodically have these moments where she'd have like flashbacks to her past history with that equipment whenever I would use it so I could never guarantee that she wasn't under mild amounts of stress when distress particularly when I was using equipment and um, and none of that has you know after the first couple tackless rides that completely disappeared and she has been offering to be for me to get on she's been um, which was something that she would on and off would not want she wouldn't want me to get on um, sometimes so that hasn't been a problem. She's been offering for me to get on every single time I ask. Um, she has been very engaged in training. I mean, so much energy. Anyway, it was just, it's been so worth it, uh, though very slow going. <laughs> um, anyway, so we've been riding tackless, and this time I took her into the round pen for our session that morning, and we started off on the ground, we practiced our verbal cues from the ground, and then I asked her if I could get on, and she voluntarily positioned up against the fence line, and I got on, and we were practicing then our halts and our walking beautifully, as she was doing fantastic, and um, then I decided that maybe this was the time to ask for a trot and this would be the first time I've asked her to trot tackless and it was something that I was waiting for the right moment because I also had to be in a good place for it because we in our history she would start trotting and then continue to accelerate and I would and she it was like she would completely check out that her mind would just kind of leave the building and then I'm just up there as a passenger and um and then she'd start like uh, crow hopping a little bit and then eventually might turn into full bucking and that was or rearing and eventually bolting so in the very early days that's what I would experience every time I got on is that anytime I asked her to walk or move or anything actually when I first bought her she could not even walk under saddle or she could but she was trained not to they had just gotten on her and taken off at trots or gal or uh, loping and um, so she would never, she never really learned how to walk under saddle. So I had to teach her that. And then it was just been a long process of teaching her that walking is okay, you know, be relaxed. And then it was very much became about, okay, now trotting is a relaxed process. It's not a runaway. You're not going to get in, you know, disciplined for this or that or whatever. I'm not going to pop you in the face. I'm not going to pull you into hyperflexion, which is everything that had been done to her, um, so just reconditioning, having a rider on at a trot took a really long time. And I feel like the process would have taken way less had I started with where I'm at now. Um, but, you know, that's she's the one that has taught me. She's the one that has 
pulled away the layers, has peeled back the onion, has um, refined my skills, taught me so much. She has stripped away every bit of sense of control that I've held on to, little bit at a time. Each, you know, every time I know something, whenever something starts to go haywire, I start to look at where I'm trying to control her. And as soon as I get rid of that, like that sense of trying to control her, we're fine. Everything, it just is right as rain. Like it's just beautiful again. Um, but anytime I try and control, it all goes crazy and she starts to stress and then it becomes dangerous and so on. Well, actually the dangerous aspect hasn't been present for a very long time, but in the beginning it was. Um, uh, so this was a huge step for us, a, a major step that I was going to ask her to trot verbally only and, um, and be tactless on her. And I, I mean, my, like, I can't even explain to you the feeling of when she voluntarily verbal cue alone picked up that trot with me on her and it was the most beautiful trot and she was stretchy and big and just moving just, oh, it was just amazing. I mean, her trot is amazing. Um, but <laughs> I asked for a woe and we had no breaks. <laughs> so she was so just, we're trotting and I was excited and she was excited at the end. There was no stress from what I could tell. Um, she wasn't rolling her head. She wasn't crow hopping. She wasn't doing anything. Uh, but she just lost the, the woe wasn't existing at the trot. So I decided to dismount <laughs> while she was trotting. And, um, because I knew what would come next, which would be, um, her speeding up and then possibly her getting distracted or crow hopping or anything it could come. Um, and I say, I know that I don't actually know that that's what was coming next, but I kind of expected it to just from my learning history of interacting with her. So I didn't want to be afraid. I didn't want anything to happen. So I just kind of slowly dismounted off the side of her. Um, just like an, which is great about riding tackless is that's really just not a big deal. Like I landed on my feet, just walked next to her. It wasn't a big deal except for the action kind of startled her a little bit when I think it would have been fine except for my foot caught on her back um, as it was coming off and it kind of startled her a little bit unfortunately uh, that's not something that I've practiced a lot of emergency dismounts so I definitely you know so here's <laughs> learning so here we already have a bunch of learning experiences we have one um, being that if I plan to utilize dismounts while moving, I need to practice that uh, more at the walk first before I attempt to try it at the trot. Obviously, this was a circumstance I wasn't prepared for, um, and so learning experience for myself. So definitely, if you know, you're listening to this podcast, that's something I recommend to you, especially if you're going to be riding tackless, is practice dismounting first at the standstill, then dismounting at the walk, then dismounting at the trot and so on, and maybe have a handler and second person on the ground to help um, keep the horse moving and confident while you dismount. So that's, that's first learning experience. Second learning experience is I probably should have just waited a little bit longer and attempted. I tried the a woe twice but I think maybe if I had given her a directional cue like put out my right hand or I don't even know why I didn't even think of it I could have just brought out my click <laughs> she would have come to a stop if I clicked but I wasn't thinking about that I was starting to get a little bit worried so my um 
So my reactions were not exactly as I had hoped they would be. Um, so I could have clicked and brought her to a stop. <laughs> Thinking back on that in hindsight, that was kind of dumb not to do, but that's one of the beautiful aspects of training with clicker training and positive reinforcement is you have an emergency stop in your pocket, um, even if you're tactless, and it's a positive experience for the horse. So it doesn't even have to be this thing where you whip around the rein and you pull them up to a stop. It can be a really low stress and positive experience for both of you if you just clicked. Now, technically, yes, I would have been reinforcing her going it continuing at the trot even though I'd asked her to stop but in taking into consideration everything that was happening that would have been the safer option um, so learning experience there the other learning experience was that maybe having a second person for that first trot transition would have been ideal I didn't have that option available to me at the time but um, I could have waited I didn't have to do it right then I could have you know, waited until I had somebody to help me and then they could have just brought out a target or something like that. So, um, another learning experience there. And, um, but you know, everything was fine. She started a little bit, but it wasn't a huge deal. Everybody was safe. I spent a lot of time with her afterwards, just clicking and rewarding her for different things. We did something really basic as far as like, um, I've been doing some different husbandry behaviors and we practiced those. We did lots of little standstill stationary behaviors and just recreating that positive, like everything's okay. Everything's okay. Um, but then I asked her if I could get back on again, cause I really wanted that not to be the last time I was on her before she went back. Um, and it wasn't like I was trying to win or prove. I just literally wanted to say, look, it's okay if a human's on you. I didn't want that to be the last experience. And um, I was just planning on just sitting there and maybe even just asking for a walk and lots of reinforcement for that and then getting off, not trying the trot again. And I found it really interesting because I got back up on the fence rail and she didn't come over. She didn't want me to get back on, which if, at the time I was really sad about and uh, took a little bit personally and thought that maybe I had just really ruined things with her, um, that I had destroyed that first trot. And I, I may still have, but, um, you know, it was, it was weird also because she was just standing in the middle of the arena she or round pen she wasn't coming over to me but she also wasn't going anywhere else and she wasn't trying to look for food she wasn't she was just kind of standing there and like looking around and she wasn't really doing much which was odd for her but everything else appeared to be fine um so I just asked her to walk with me a little bit and then you know with me on the ground after a few minutes of waiting for her to come over um and I did, she did eventually come over and I did sit on her for just a second. So I did accomplish what I had wanted to do, but, and I got off really quickly and then, um, we, we walked back to her pasture and it was really, you know, positive experience walking back and I put her back and then she was in her pasture for the rest of the afternoon until the trimmer came and the trimmer came and it was late in the evening so it probably been about four hours maybe five by the time we got to working with tiger and um, this is where the second part of the day with tiger happens and more learning experiences happened so usually tiger's pretty good for the trimmer i can 
tie her without food. I can tie her with food. I can just have some food on the ground or up on a stool. I can just hold her. It doesn't really matter. She's usually pretty good either way. She knows how to stand for the trimmer and we never have any problems. Um, but this time she was unusually fidgety, especially on the left front. And she was trying to like, she was just moving around a ton and not able to stabilize and the trimmer was having a hard time holding the foot and she kept trying to pull it away. Um, and so it was really challenging. I mean, we got, she got through it and nobody, you know, nothing was wrong. I kept, you know, was trying to encourage Tiger to stand still and I wasn't punishing her for not standing still, but I was also a little bit like, what on earth is going on? And it would have been an excellent opportunity or not an excellent, it would have been a, um, a very easy opportunity to resort to correcting Tiger for moving or punishing her or saying, you know how to do this, you know, like get with program horse and getting upset with her. Um, but, and I, you know, probably, you know, there was still that, that inner, like, Oh, just stand still horse. Like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm high and mighty and would have never done that. But I absolutely, I would have like, even, you know, I would have done that a while ago, but I've gotten a lot better about it and take giving the horse the benefit of the doubt and just thinking, okay, now we need to go back and train this some more, whatever. Then we went over to the other front foot and it was better, but still having trouble, not as bad as the left front though. And then we went to the back right. Now, let me, so the back right. And when the trimmer went to pick up her back right, she yanked the foot away really hard. Like she, and she's never done that before. And the trimmer was like, what was that? And it was really odd because Tiger never does stuff like that ever. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't see it because I was on her left side and this was the back right. And um, so then she had me try and pick up the back right. And I tried and it was, it was weird. It was like her stifle was locking and she was like jerking it. And she didn't appear to be angry or upset or frustrated or anything. She was just not able to hold that or lift up that back right very well. And long story short there, we ended up not messing with her back legs. She was going to come back a different time and do her back legs. Um, but it became obvious of why she couldn't stabilize to hold out her left front because her back right, which is that diagonal pair, could not stabilize her to have that left front up. She needed to support herself on the left front because she was taking weight off that back right. And then also as much, so the right front was still a problem because, you know, she's just down to only basically three legs and we're trying to take away one of them. So it puts her down to two legs. Uh, but it made sense why the left front then would be more difficult because it was that diagonal pair. And what was even more interesting is, is that when I did the emergency dismount from Tiger earlier on that morning, I did it on the left side and she, and she shied away to the right side away from me. Um, and so now I'm thinking that, and I'm pretty confident that what happened is when she shied away and it was very short and brief. It wasn't this huge drama. It was just as she just did a sudden startle to the right away from me. You know how horses can kind of just like suddenly be to the side. <laughs> um, she did that and then she didn't want me to get back on and she didn't really want to walk around and she just stood in the middle of the round pen, but she wasn't limping and I didn't notice anything at the time, but obviously she had tweaked something really strongly, but it wasn't really stiff yet because I think it was a muscle and you know how those things can set in over time as they get stiff. Uh, she may have pulled something 
and um, and then it showed up later when we were trying to do the trims on that back right. And it made sense then that she was having trouble having her feet trimmed. And it's been three days now, two days, two days now. Let's see, that was on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, so it's been two days now since that happened. And she's still very sore, but she's now just able to start picking up that um, that back right and hold it briefly and put it back down. Um, anyway, so... And I've been, you know, we've been taking care of it. I've got, you know, I've got all the medical aspect and the therapy and all that under control. But I thought this was a really good example of how your horse's entire life and every every situation they're involved in and every moment that they're involved in impacts the next. And then it impacts the next. And then it impacts the next. And how things that look like training problems or the horse's being disobedient or not wanting to do something that we want them to do are often a result not of the horse well never does the horse just do something to be spiteful that is 100% straight across the board they just don't have that ability as far as we know Um, but even without that aspect, I think a lot of times we just say it's behavioral, it's behavioral, it's behavioral. Like this is a training problem, training, training. And that's not always the case. Actually, in fact, a lot of the time it's not the case. There are very few cases that I run across where it's truly just a training issue. Um, And especially if your horse has been able to do it in the past, if you ever feel yourself tempted to say, come on horse, I know you know how to do this. (laughs) <laughs> then there's probably something else going on because they do know how to do it. Then probably, you know, hopefully your, your statement is accurate. And then there's some, another factor that they can't tell us. Like Tiger couldn't tell me when we were in the round pen and I was asking to get back on her that she hurt herself when she stepped aside. There was no blood. She wasn't limping, whatever, but she was in pain somewhere and just hadn't set in all the way yet. Like it wasn't just this acute pain yet it was just the beginnings it was just the oh crap that hurt like what did I just do um kind of more I think it was more like when you sleep wrong or when you you know people who throw out their backs you know maybe like sometimes it doesn't sink in right away it takes time and then it just gets worse and then it gets stiff and so and you're sore and you're like oh like and especially if you sleep on it or if you stand around for a while and then you start to try and move and it hurts even more then or the next day it hurts more it was probably one of those situations and it just got progressively worse as she wasn't moving or as we asked her to do more or do other things so when I talk about not punishing a horse, when I talk about it not being a training issue, when I talk about giving your horse the benefit of the doubt, this is the type of scenario I'm talking about. Her not holding up her left front had nothing to do with the trimmer. It had everything to do with the fact that she couldn't balance herself and that her back right hurt her terribly. Her not wanting me to get back on had nothing to do with a personal. She wasn't trying to be spiteful. She wasn't just like, well, geez, you did that crazy dismount and now I hate you and this is the end of the world. It was a, well, shucks. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG. That, that hurt when... When you dismounted, I spooked and I hurt myself and I can't tell you that right now, but something is hurting me and this is not a personal, it's not personally reflective against something I did. It's not this, 
deep trauma. It was just that like something happened and she needed time and she needed to rest and she needed to heal. And her best way of being able to communicate to me that was not coming over, not voluntarily asking or letting me get on. And this is also why it's so, so valuable to give your horse a choice and to allow them to say no and to not force them. Because if I had just looked at this as a training issue and if it was something where I needed to win and needed to prove to her that, you know, I, oh, I need to get back on. If I tell you to get on the mounting block, I must get on. If I had gone in with that mentality, I could have done a lot of damage to her. Like a little tweak could have turned into a major injury. So by giving her choice, by giving her control over the situation, by allowing her to communicate with me that something was wrong, that she didn't want to come over and have me get on. And also by me, even once she did um, say, okay, you can come, you get on like for whatever it is, I think she was trying to, I'm not exactly sure why she eventually said I could get in, get on, get in, get on. Um, but Likely, I'm thinking that she kind of processed through what was going on and maybe didn't, it wasn't hurting too bad right then. So she was like, okay, we'll try again. Or maybe she just wanted to trust me and say, okay, you know, I'm a little little uncomfortable right now, but I'm going to trust you. So that's why it would be so important for me to recognize that 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 thing just happened. And just because she came over and said I could get on, that long delay and her saying that I could get on when usually she offers it right away tells me that I needed to be very, very, very cautious and I needed to decrease their criteria, my expectations a lot and let her communicate and continue to communicate and continue to have a choice because otherwise I risk doing a lot of damage to her. I probably could have asked her to walk on again. I probably could have asked her to trot again, um, but I could have damaged her also by doing that by, and I could have also made that whole experience a really bad one because I would have done more harm and I would have asked her to trot with me while in pain which would have created a bad association with trotting with a rider and being in pain so um so yeah like this is just a big long you know I I experience these kinds of stories and these kinds of learning experiences on a day-to-day basis and I have a lot of them but this was just one that happened recently and um, I feel like was a really good example and so clear of how damaging the different habits that we have of punishing horses for not listening and saying that we we know they know how to do this just get with the program um, and how risky it is to take away control from our horses and how beneficial it is to give them control and why we should be working towards this and um, and also that was a also, um, the situation where Tiger did come back up to me was a huge display of trust from her in me that I wasn't going to push her or take advantage of her. And, you know, I'm not trying to anthropomorphize the situation, but if trust is a history of positive outcomes in the interaction between the human and the horse, she had enough positive interactions with me and enough trust built up in me from our training and from me giving her choice and from me listening to her and me using positive reinforcement and making it good for her that she was willing to, despite her discomfort, say, okay, let's try this again. And that's what trust looks like to me. So I can't even express to you like that whole day, as much as I, it sucks that she's in pain now and we're working through it and I'm trying to help her be more comfortable. And, and I, I regret 
not having practiced those emergency dismounts and I, I had my mistakes and this story is riddled with my mistakes. Um, this the listening and being patient and giving your horse a choice and not pushing for things and not punish, not punishing. This is the epitome. This is a, this whole story is what I quote unquote preach. This is what I'm trying to encourage in people. This is my mission. This is my, this is what I want to share with the world is that you can have this relationship with your horse and that there is more to the story that it's not just about the horse, not standing still for the farrier. Um, and so I really hope that this example and this story resonates with people and they won't just get hung up on my mistake um, and that they will be able to take this home with them and use it with their own horses and give their horses the benefit of the doubt and give their horses more choice and control and a more positive experience and to reduce the amount of punishment and our expectations of our horses. Um, so yeah, that's my story for the day. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about The Willing Equine, head to my website, www.thewillingequine.com. On there I have blogs and um, a very extensive FAQ. I also have other social media through there. So I've got YouTube and Instagram and everything else you could possibly think of. Also, I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to send me a message or an email and I hope to hear from you soon.